Hello and welcome back to another episode of Eat the Blank Page with me, Victor Rowe. You buddy, you pal, as established in the last episode. As far as this episode goes, we're going to be talking about some has-been hotel. We're going to be talking about some of my views on how the average person, or at least the average person nowadays, can become a reader. And very quickly. I even have an example to show with you guys, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. If you aren't aware and you're listening on Spotify, I record video for YouTube for every podcast moving forward for the last few we have. And you can see some of the best segments on YouTube as well under ETBP Best Segments Playlists around the front page of YouTube. Go there, subscribe. It'll be a fun time. Now, I'm a little late to the party when it comes to talking about Has Been Hotel, but I started watching it and I'm super grateful I did. I have a huge musical background. I did a bunch of shows in high school, that kind of thing. And as far as musicals go, I try to watch the new ones, the big ones, the most popular ones. And Hasbin Hotel kind of slipped through the cracks because I I thought it was hell of a boss. I'm I'm not going to lie. So (laughs) when I started watching and they fell into the musical numbers, I was actually very excited to see it. And they did a very, very good job. And then I found out that half the cast is just from Broadway. Okay. For my favorite character is uh, Angel Dust, though, just because of, I like the characterization and some of the softer beat moments in the first few episodes, but I haven't watched the entire show. I'm only about three, four episodes deep. And one of the big things I want to talk about is how they're going about telling the story. I think that's kind of just where my expertise lie in talking about Hasman Hotel. And I don't, I know next to nothing about animation or uh, musicals, songs, vocal talent, whatever. So as I was watching it, I was kind of picking apart how they were getting across the story just to start off with. Because one of the biggest parts of starting a story or one of the biggest parts of a story itself is starting it. And it can be one of the hardest parts next to ending it. So what they did in the first two episodes from what I saw were just blanket check boxes. And what I mean by that is they had a few points that they needed to make. They needed to get the driving force of the plot, the thing that moves the characters to move forward, do new things, that kind of that kind of vibe, and to get across what the main character, that being Charlie, how they see the world. Because if we're going to be invested in the idea of the hotel itself, i.e. the entire show, we need to be invested with how the main character sees the show or the story or the main point of the story. Because if you don't know, Hasman Hotel is about uh, the demon princess, Charlie, starting a hotel for people to go. And it's kind of like a rehabilitation center so they can go into heaven. And in the show, they say it's so that it can solve like two different problems because the angels come down once a year to kill everyone again. She wants to see people kind of like do better and stand back up on their feet. And so you like Charlie immediately. You are just on Charlie's side a thousand percent. And if you go into the show, like many people do, you start thinking of why is she even doing this? It's hell. It's the sinners, the damned, all that jazz. And the beautiful thing that they did when just starting the show is they made every other character completely hate the idea. Every character 
talks down on the idea. They're talking the idea. They're telling Charlie this is a bad idea, except for two characters, her business partners. That being, I believe her name is, they call her V a lot. I don't know her actual name. And then Alistair, the fan favorite, of course. And I don't I, I don't have enough time in the day to talk about how fun the power scaling with Alistair is, but you have very few examples of people who are on board. And one of them, Alistair, is just there to be an asshole. Just go, hey, I like watching people try something and then fail. That's why I'm here. He's very, he's very demon about it. And then uh, Charlie's girlfriend, V, is very like, no, we're going to do this. This is a good idea. We're going to follow the vision, all that jazz. So they gave us an insight into how Charlie sees the world and an example of her morals through this like snake character who comes in and he's trying to kill Alistair, very engineery guy, but he's like the snake demon who tries to kill Alistair, runs away, is brought in by the kind of secondary villains of the show. That being like the TV demon and Angel Dust's boss, kind of like the bad, powerful demons. Because there's a few levels of villains in the show. So like secondary villain, they bring them in and they're like, hey, go spy, go figure things out. We, we want to destroy the whole hotel as an idea because no one likes Alistair. So he goes in and is totally feeding into Charlie's idea and is the only one that isn't a part of the main cast so far that is going, hey, rehabilitate me. Put me through the paces. Let me see what this is about. And I'm genuine about this. And of course he's lying. He's fucking shit talking a thousand percent because all he wants to do is kill Alistair. And he needs people for that because he's very weak, whatever. He goes in and gets caught by Angel Dust and they start duking it out. And this is after they do trust exercises and he plays the whole song and dance of no let's do it like come on charlie like let's make your dreams come true and charlie's super excited and he betrays charlie of course but also everyone else in the house and while everyone else in the house is very on charlie's side for running the hotel starting it up they might not like the idea but they like charlie plants a camera gets caught and even the villains are like you're the worst this was day fucking one how are you this useless and at this point in the show as the as like an audience member you hate this guy you do not like this guy there is nothing good about this guy he's done nothing good in the show yet he is the perfect example to make out of what charlie's trying to do in the entire show because right when everyone's like mad, gonna kill him, whatever, Charlie reaches out a hand and says, hey, it's okay. Let's like, and it starts the song, it starts with sorry or whatever. And she's just like, you just gotta say sorry. And that's where it starts. There's still hope for you and blah, blah, blah. I'm not gonna give up on you. And so while she has said what she wants to do through the first episode and most of the second and has done things and whatever, they give a very good experience for the audience that hey this is what everyone else means when they say this is a dumb idea that demons are beyond redemption that you shouldn't care about the people who mess up because that's all they say they say charlie you're an idiot no one's gonna do this these are bad people they do bad things and charlie's there for the forgiveness and goes hey 
It's okay. That's what we're here for. We're going to figure this out. Even though the snake demon purposefully attacked and threatened the entire hotel as a whole, it doesn't matter to Charlie. She has her first customer that actually wants to be there. And it was just a very, very impressive storytelling tactic. And I talked my girlfriend's ear off about it for like four hours in just, I don't see that a whole lot. You know, they, it was a very purposeful thing. It was a very, it, it was a very small thing, but as a show, you want your audience to be on board with the entirety of the idea. You don't just want them to be there for the musical numbers. You don't just want them to be there for certain characters or the best parts or any of that. You want them to be invested. And the best way to give them that investment is to place them in the situation. They're already having their own feelings. They're like, oh, fuck this guy. This guy sucks. I'll kill him. This is going to be great. I hate that he lied to them because you already like most of the main cast. And then it's proved to the audience what they're doing, why Charlie's doing what she's doing. And it's just chef, chef's kiss. Very, very, very cool. I actually, I had to make a note of it in my journal. Just remember for later for some of my stories. But speaking of placing the audience in the shoes of the characters in, ha- in a Hasman Hotel, the first episode does the best job I think a, a first episode can have. It has every beat that the show is going to be known for because the show itself is very vulgar, very like rated R. It goes over setting, it goes over the main characters. Everything that the characters say in the first episode is purely characterization. And that might sound dumb if you're not used to looking at a story in this light, but when you're looking at a story, the characters are actually tools to affect the plot. All the plot is, all the storyline is, are characters in a setting dealing with a situation. And so a third of that formula are the characters. And they, the characters are the most important part because that's who we're going to latch on to. That's who we're going to relate to. That's where you drive the story from because that's what we're focused on. Now, sometimes a setting can be a character within itself. Sometimes a conflict can be a character within itself. And in each of the three, there are lessons. There are conflicts. There are things that should affect the runtime, the plot, that kind of thing. But what a lot of new writers, myself included, everyone included, is that dialogue is kind of brushed to the side. It's, okay, yeah, I've already told you what this character does. I kind of showed you what they do. But dialogue is huge. It's what you hear. It's what you're going to repeat. If it's a really good line, it's what you're going to laugh at. It's what you're going to cry at. While visual visualizations are good, the animation's important, the vibes all have to be right. I don't care because I'm watching someone talk. Even though it's a drawing, I'm watching someone talk. What they say is important. And it's the back, it's the background work that is extra important. Characterization is that background work. Everything they say should tell me something about them. Because it's the first episode. We're gonna be with these characters for the entirety of the show. We need to know all we need to know the base amount of information that the director wants us to know as soon as possible. 
and as soon as possible would be the first episode. So you have Angelist doing nothing but talking about how he wants to like bang everyone and how much drugs he wants to do. Charlie at one point uh, says to him, like you're a resident, but you don't really count. And Angel Dust doesn't even miss a beat. And he's like, well, there's nowhere else to really crash rent free. Crack is expensive. And it's really funny, but you learn a lot of things about these characters as they talk. In just the, that one line, crack is expensive. The rent here is free. He's he's a freeloader. He's sitting, he's only living there because it's free. There is some descriptions regarding like what he's going to be dealing with throughout the show with his boss and troubles but he needs somewhere to live that's free he's cheap he's prioritized in what he's addicted to that being crack or drugs and everything else that he says is hypersexual is every idea he gives out for this commercial that they're trying to shoot in the first episode which is an amazing point to give your perspective for each character on is to have a goal a short time goal for the first episode or the first chapter if you're writing a book and let's go hey everyone give me your idea and through the idea you find the perspective that they all have on the world as a whole you find what they do what they like what they don't like how they act and that sets the bar for their character moving forward and then they change and they do all that stuff but the main thing that isn't a character is a uh, a setting or a conflict is this kind of overhanging threat this thing that pushes the characters to do something as it starts it's the hotel it's hey we're going to get this hotel up and running this is what it's for this is why we like it Charlie's trying to do this to save the demons. It's She sees the demons and those of them in hell as actual people. She wants to save people. She wants to help people. That's the whole point of the hotel. So you have that going on. And then they create the sense of urgency by introducing you to the other side of the coin, an angel. And not just any angel, like Adam, first man Adam. And he's not what you expect out of an angel. So far, the demons act nicer than him. He he's talk. He's arrogant. He's egotistical. He's extremely rude to Charlie. He didn't even bother to show up actually in hell. It's like a hologram of him. I'm getting ahead of myself. What the angels do as this kind of overhanging threat to the main cast is that once a year, every year, Heaven's army comes down into hell to just slaughter a bunch of demons and sinners and all this stuff. And they open up the show with a retelling of that being the rule, which is a very standard practice, like narrator explaining some stuff. But they go they go into it as as a back and forth meeting between Charlie and Adam, where Charlie's given the whole idea of the hotel, like, hey, we're going to help people. We're going to send them up to you so you don't have to come down here. It's going to handle the population crisis, all that kind of stuff. Because the main reason that Heaven does this, or at least what we're told, is because of Heaven not wanting hell to get too powerful. So they go down there, they kill as many as they can to kind of like even out the playing field, that whole thing. And it's already like, okay, that's kind of messed up, but I get it. Whatever. It's hell. When Charlie gives this idea, that's a 
genuinely good idea or cool or whatever you feel it is. Adam hard stomps it into the fucking ground. And he goes, actually, you know what? Not only are we going to keep doing it, we're going to double up. We're going to be back in six months instead of 12. And we're going to kill even more than we're used to. And you you find out why. It's because one of the demons managed to kill an angel and they're super pissed about it, whatever. It's that sense of, here's a time limit go, that pushes the characters along the path that they were already going to take even faster. There's a topic to talk about. There's stakes now. There's, we need to get this done as soon as possible. Prove it works. Convince them before another slaughter. Because waiting a year in the audience's ears is like, okay, this season's going to take over a year, whatever. It's going to be a while. Who cares? Like, I don't know if I'm going to be on that on board with it. It's the first episode. That seems like a long-term commitment. And that's just very in the in your back brain. That's not even a uh, actual thought anyone fucking has <laughs> when watching the show. It's that, hey, here's this time limit. Here's this set schedule. And now... It's in half. So it's that sense of urgency is created just in that dialogue exchange between Adam and Charlie. And then you learn about how the angels actually act. And they suck. They are the worst. At least compared to the demons that you already know and the cinders that you already know. You already like them more because they're more relatable. And it's a very deliberate choice. And this is not to talk about religion at all. It's just... By giving every single character that we're supposed to root for a crippling addiction or problem, it immediately makes them more relatable, especially to the people who also deal with those issues. And then the whole idea of rehabilitation puts in the sense that there's going to be a journey that each of the characters take. You have this overhanging thread of the heaven's forces coming down and killing everyone yes but you also have the very interesting character of alistair who hear little bits and pieces about he does certain things that's going to set up things later in the show like him being back is such a problem for everyone that it sets up a lot of good dialogue a lot of good examples of just how they view things in general and more importantly, how the whole society of hell works and the power levels and the power scaling and all that stuff. Who's in charge of what, you know, world building. But I want to talk more about that when I actually finish the show or when I get a little bit further into it. Our kind of last point I want to talk about is if you're not a reader, how do you become a reader? It's actually pretty simple. So a big thing with reading is that it's hard. It's difficult. It's a very difficult thing to do. Reading, one. Reading retention, two. Those two things make up the bulk of the difficulty for everyone that's trying to get into reading. Because when you start reading, your mind will automatically just start imagining stuff. You don't need to worry about that, especially if you go for like a, a good book, a well-known book. Maybe one that has a movie, you already have the people's faces, the, the have the image of everything. You already have that taken care of. So your mind's going to do all of that legwork for you. You don't need to try to do that. You don't need to sit down and go, okay, green field. What's a green field? What does that look like? It's just going to happen. Reading the words themselves 
takes mental energy. Remembering what you read takes practice. If you were going to run a mile, and let's equate this to reading 10 pages. It's not the same difficulty, but just stay with me on this one. If you're going to run a mile and you start running for your first day, you have, you don't run. You might walk places, but you don't run. You're not a runner. You're not used to it. And you run and you get one lap in and you are exhausted. You're tired, your feet hurt, your head's ringing, your ears are ringing, your knees are just shot. And you go home and you say, oh, no, running's not for me. I'm not, I'm not a runner. I can't run that well. It's the first day you did it. And that's a, that's a big thing that I think everyone skips over when, t when thinking about themselves as a reader or someone who would enjoy reading is that it does take mental energy to read for longer periods of time, but it scales very quickly. So if you were to start reading and you read 10 pages to start out with, or a full chapter, it will be kind of a kind of a tough thing to get through kind of a headache to get through not on the same level as actually running a mile but you'll find that it's very easy to fall asleep after you read for an extended period of time just because it drains that mental energy out of you where a lot of the time thing with things like social media tiktok youtube videos video games it doesn't really burn our mental energy everything's kind of given to us everything's forced to us but when you're reading, you're actively deciphering words in the in the back of your brain. You're making a mental image of what it's talking about. You're trying to think of tones and sounds and smells and feelings, emotional descriptions that the author of the book is giving you. So you're processing those in your head and you're getting tired off of that. And so maybe the next time you read or the first time you read, maybe you get five pages in and you just you can't. You're done. The next time you read, you might get 10 or 20. Next time you read, or maybe you get seven. It's the small increments that build up into the ability to go, I'm going to read a chapter. And then you just read it and you're totally fine. Even someone like me who reads consistently, I read almost every day and I've read for like hours at a time. I can't do that all the time, but I wasn't able to do that always. No one was always able to do that. Everyone had to start reading to get used to it and now i think this is another good time to mention that the fear of like the commitment is there mainly because of how hard it is for some people i know it was like this for me but if it's like this for you let me know in the comments the commitment's there because you can't read that much in one sitting so spending 20 minutes reading when you first start out might be that those five pages those 10 pages but as you get used to reading, you start reading faster, you start understanding concepts more. So those 20 minutes that you have to watch an episode of your favorite anime, and if you choose to read after and do another 20 minutes, or instead of watching, you just read for 20 minutes, you'll find that you'll go through a full chapter, which can be uh, 15, 20 pages, 30 pages, however long uh, the chapter itself is on average is about 10 to 15 pages. The more you read, the further you're able to read, meaning the less commitment it actually is for you. So if you go to a 200 page book, which is a pretty small book, pretty average size book, you'll get through that entire novel in 10 sittings if you do 20 pages each time. So it's a, it's a 10 episode series. You can look at it like that. If you binge it, it'll take a long time, but same thing for a TV show. It's just, there's no mental effort there. There's no difficulty there. 
and everything's in your mind. So you have to kind of be addicted to that or used to that feeling of imagining and getting into it. And it's a difficult thing to set up to find a book that you genuinely like or a story that you genuinely like that are interested in that you want to read you want to know what happens next it's hard to find that in a book because there's no trailer for it all you get as far as a trailer for a book is the inside jacket and the back and it can be hard to translate what the entire book's about what the vibe of the book is about so if you read something like that and you're like okay this might be interesting you look at the genre it's like a science fiction or a love story or a horror and you're like oh okay i like those movies let's read the inside jacket let's read the back let's see what the plot is kind of about and you're like mm, i might like this i might not when you're there in the bookstore when you're there in your target and you're looking at this just start reading it just start reading it Go maybe a page or two in, maybe three, whatever you're comfortable with, to find if it's really something that you want to do. To find that if you if you find yourself that you want to keep reading, buy the book. Read it. It's there. That's that's what it is for you. And then you can go along this process of, okay, I didn't even know they made books like this. I didn't know they made edgy or dark or psychotic books i didn't know they made science fiction horror i didn't know they made fantasy uh, they, i didn't know they made wholesome fantasy books there's a lot of different stories out there that fit a lot of different niches and the best thing about that is that there's so many stories and so many books that if you go on things like book talk if you go on things like reader's web you will find the highest rated ones so if you're starting out and you want to make you just want to look at the best ones you just want to look at the ones that most people say are like hey this is a good one you go there and you find the genres that you're looking for because it's not all the, just the kind of books that they made you read in high school there's actual stories there that could be tv shows that could be movies and usually are better than them because of how much detail is is uh, in the story itself once you get woken up to that fact and you find something that you actually like to read that's when you can start pacing yourself that's when you can start training yourself and i just went through this with a friend of mine uh she found a book that's about like it's a very like emotionally driven story uh verity i think it's called it's about this writer and she goes crazy and a bunch of people die and a bunch of people there's like a scandalous thing and then like someone's cheating on this person and then this person's in a coma and it's crazy and it's not my kind of book but she found it very amusing and that's the biggest thing is that what my cup of tea might not be your cup of tea and understanding that is is a pretty big thing so if you are someone who looks at reading as something that you might be interested in just follow those steps find a genre that you really like because it exists if you if you say you want a science fiction story that's like very heavy and military read a halo book the fall of reach is a pretty good one and it talks about all that kind of stuff but if you look up sci-fi military book you'll find things and it, you can do that with anything genre x this kind of vibe they have fantasy stories with orcs and goblins and ghosts and monks and barbarians that is a bakery it's called mooncakes it has like a werewolf baker in it Th those stories exist find them 
try it out and just understand that you won't be able to read as much as you want to or as much as anyone else when you first start because it does take that mental energy but those are those are my two cents uh, as an author i'm very uh, i like to talk about that a lot and i like to tell people about it a lot but that is all i have for today's episode i hope everyone enjoyed and i hope everyone has a wonderful wonderful day make sure to subscribe to the youtube tiktok instagram and if you go to my twitter you can get everything regarding announcements for the podcast along with my personal accounts victor rose stories where you can see all about my new book coming out but hope everyone has a wonderful day goodbye